Well, hello again from the Granite State. My name is Gary, and this is the Restoring Main Street podcast. Thank you, as always, for joining me. Um, doing a little bit something uh, what I consider special tonight. Um, I know I've in the past kind of alluded to uh, a new set of programs that I wanted to start doing um, with the title of Locals. And uh, what I mean by Locals or, or what I'm um, suggesting is um, just building up our local communities, getting, you know, uh, more tight knit, paying attention to more of those things that, um, that we can sure up in that way that makes, um, well, it just, it, it makes our lives, uh, that much more secure. And honestly, with what's going on around us nowadays, um, there's a real need to preserve ideals and principles and things that this country, um, was founded under. And the way you're going to do that, the only way you're going to do that, is by shoring up those local things that you possibly um, can as much as you can. And vent, um, remembering um, individual sovereignty and, and um, just local businesses and local banking, getting away from uh, what the Great Reset is pushing at you and ESGs and the way, like I said, you do all of those things is shoring up as much locally within your community that you can and you know when we talk about those things one of the other uh, subjects that has to come into that discussion is uh, taking care of some of the most vulnerable among us so um, that's kind of where the program is going tonight um, I have a, a guest tonight I'll introduce her in just a second but um, well, you know, as we always do, I can't uh, can't not have my stinger. So, uh, let's start the program. And there we go. Now you get to stare at me for a couple of seconds, anyway. Um, so, what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, local programs, um, I have a. Um, who I can, someone I consider a good friend, not that we've known each other for a long period of time, but um, she started something locally here that is extremely meaningful and um, is, is really an important part of the community. And it's, it's an outreach basically for uh, the homeless. Um, we, we all know the difficulties and, and the things that the homeless deal with, but um, you know, a lot of us um, would look at that probably from a, a cursory point of view, and I don't know how much any of you get involved or what goes on in your city or your town, uh, but here in Rochester, uh, we're extremely fortunate to have um, something that my good friend Cheryl Huckins has started, um, Manna for the Hungry. And, um, you know, rather than have me uh, yak on uh, through this, because uh, you're going to get plenty of me through this, through this program, um, I'm going to introduce my friend Cheryl Huckins and, and let her kind of uh, introduce herself and maybe explain a little bit about, about uh, who she is and, and what, it, what it is that she tries to do. So, Cheryl, how are you? Hi. I'm uh, fine. How are you? I'm very good. Um, you know, thank you for taking some time to come on the program. And um, like I said, I, I, I wanted to just kind of start out, if, if you wouldn't mind, um, because, you know, any, anybody locally that's going to um, uh, listen to this or watch this program, you know, may or may not know who you are. Um, can you give you know the folks out there just a, kind of a little bit of a little bit of background and then you know um, 
morph morph into um, how you got started with with Mana Meals and and kind of the the beginnings or, or the reasons for them. Sure. Um, as Gary told you, my name's Cheryl Huckins. I was born in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. I got married to John Huckins and moved to Barrington, New Hampshire, where I worked a few other jobs, and then I ended up working at the town of Barrington, where I retired from them. I've been retired for three years now. And back before I retired, my husband and I were going to a church where um, a friend of ours, Eric Hopkins, also went. And Eric started a group called Street Street Outreach. And some of you in Rochester may remember that. It was an enormous undertaking. We, in Parson Main Park, right in the center of town, we set up generators, we set up crock pots and hot plates and coffee pots and easy ups in the bad weather to keep the rain off us. And we served anywhere between 40 and 90, I think 96 was our biggest night. 96 people, a hot meal every Friday night. There were several volunteers. We all, all the food was provided by us. We all made our special dishes and brought them. And then we, again, Saturday morning, we, we distributed the leftovers along with sandwiches and other baked goods that we had. Um, we did that for several years and then the pandemic hit. And when the pandemic, well, first of all, Straight Street had changed. Um, the city refused to renew our permit in Parson Main Park. So we moved to Salvation Army parking lot. And then from there, we went inside the Salvation Army for a while, and they were changing the guard as far as the captains running the church went. And we ended up leaving there, and we were in the parking lot, in a parking lot across from Blue Seal, down that little side street in Rochester. And then eventually, the volunteers fell away. And we ended up at the Commons, who was Eric and his wife and a few of us from Straight Street there, and we were distributing sandwiches on Friday night. And then that was going all right for a while. We weren't serving a lot of people, but we were still, um, we, we got to feed, feed them and keep in contact with them. So we knew you know, what was going on with them, who needed what. And then the pandemic hit. And when the pandemic came, Straight Street slowed down considerably, even more. And my husband and I had stopped going because we decided with Eric that contact, too much contact wasn't good. So we tried to keep as few people as possible in contact with the homeless to prevent any of them from contracting the virus. Sure. So I was sitting here and I realized one night, I was thinking about it, and I thought, you know, there's no food on Wednesday night in, in Rochester anymore. So people, the homeless, and and anyone that comes to those community meals, they were going from Tuesday night until Thursday night with no food. Right. And that's how Manna got started. I made about 25 pounds of baked meat and put it in the back of my SUV and started dishing it out. <laughs> Yeah, we were talking about, Cheryl and I were talking about this a little bit earlier. She was explaining kind of the humble beginnings from where this where this came and uh, kind of the interesting story that, um, you know, um, how she got uh, chased out of that idea and, and um, it, it morphed into, morphed into manna. Um, Cheryl, do you, you, if I remember um, a text that we shared um, when, um, when this all started, when, when Mana started, you were, it was 
pretty much maybe a one or, or two person show. How is how has that changed from uh, when this started? And I understand you're you're coming up uh, in a couple of months here on an anniversary too. Yeah, yeah, and it's almost two years. I started out um, down in downtown Rochester. Like I said, I pull. I, I just put this food in the back of my SUV. I had some to-go containers that had been given to me. Right. And I pulled over on the side of Academy Street and started dishing it out. And I had contacted Chris Cortez from the My Mobile store. Mm-hmm. I know he likes to help people, and he's a very benevolent person. He came down, and he was helping me. And um, Deborah, Cal- Deborah Calabro, who I didn't know, but she was from Dover. I don't understand how she got involved, but she showed up there and introduced, introduced herself to me and started helping out. Right. And the next thing we know, there's Bob Bino, the city health inspector, code enforcement officer. And <laughs> Wonderful. Until, yeah, he waited until I served the last person and came up and told me, that I wasn't allowed to do this in the city. All food distributed publicly had to be made in a commercial kitchen and served by someone who was surf safe certified, right. which I had none of that. And one thing led to another, and he ended up handing me some money and told me to get pizza for the next week and figure it out. And that's, that's how MANA got started. It was incredible. And what I ended up doing is working with restaurants and I'd get the restaurant to work up a meal that they could sell for between 5 and $7 without losing money. Right. They did that, and I would put a notice on Facebook and invite people to come and, and call the restaurant and order a meal to donate. And I would pick them all up on Wednesday night and distribute them. And it just exploded from there. I, the United Methodist Church agreed to let me use their parking lot because the city really didn't want me just pulling over the side of the road. And... So I was parked back there by myself, handing out this restaurant food, and that was working out well. Chris Cortez still came down. Deborah was still around then. And then Deborah disappeared. She she had some health issues, and Chris, because he had the store, so he wasn't always there. So I was out back there a lot by myself. And one night I'm back there handing out food, and this man just shows up with a pickup truck and said, can I hand out some clothing? Do you mind? And I said, no. And he introduced himself as Byron Kimball from the Grace Church. He ran a group called Blessings, and he had a pickup truck and a couple boxes of clothing. It was very nice. It was nice to have the company. Sure. And then the next week, he came back. And then the next week, he came back, and he had a friend with him, Brian Glidden from church. So, And he had more clothes. And then Christine Griffin contacted me. She said, I have a mobile food pantry I'm setting up. I'd like to come down and hand out some non-perishable items the homeless at, at your manor. I said, okay. And she brought down a couple of card tables and put out a few, you know, little canisters of um, shelf-stable milk and juice. And she had a few canned goods. And that went over really well. Right. And then her husband started coming with her, Stephen Todd, and her daughter, Laura. And Byron's wife, Anne-Marie, started coming around. And then a woman from um, Straight Street that I used to work with named Gabriella Susie, she started coming down and helping out. And one thing just led to another. It went crazy. I now have several volunteers. I have Bob Wade comes down, Robin Stewart, Christine and her family are still there, Byron and his wife, and Brian Glidden still comes down occasionally. Then Jessica Smith showed up one night. She has a son, Brian, a young boy. He's in grade school. 
middle school, I believe. And he wanted to make snack bags to hand out to the homeless people. So he had made up these little goodie bags with some treats in them and handed them out. They now come every week. Brian makes up those bags every week and they hand them out. Wow. Uh, Chris Cortez still dances around us. He's always a joy to have around. Rebecca Inglis, she manages the subway at the Lilac Mall in Rochester. She comes down to visit. It, it's just amazing the number of people that help out. That's great. You know, like that's. Kindness. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, um, like I said, I. Um, I, I, I kind of uh, um, got wind of what you were doing on, on Facebook to a certain degree. And then um, part of the way that, uh, you know, Cheryl and I, I think, got to know each other a little bit. Like, it's it's not like we've known each other for 30 years. It's um, I consider her, her a good friend, but it's it's just been through um, what she does with Manna for Hunger uh, to this point. But um, uh, through somebody through my work, uh, they had access to um, bread from a local. Uh, local uh, bakery that um, that they would give out because uh, you know they they just didn't didn't want to throw it away. So uh, I started uh, whenever I could get that that bread from my friend at work, I would uh, swing down on Wednesdays and, and drop this off for uh, uh, to help help Cheryl and what was going on there. And uh, it was it was amazing actually to pull into the parking lot out, out, out in back of the Methodist Church here in Rochester and actually see how many people were out there um, willing to, you know, spend their time to try and see if they couldn't um, help these individuals who are obviously struggling in a lot of ways. So, um, yes. Cheryl, um, one of the things, you know, I, I, I wanted to ask, and it's, it's um, something that I will, you know, see posts from time to time, you know, um, with what it is that you're trying to do. I, I see um, individuals that will come on and question and, and um, you know, maybe um, give you a little bit of a hard time on, on Facebook to a, to a certain degree, you know, but, uh, and and the the jest that I get from, from their perspective or how they feel about this is that, um, they have they have the idea that what you're doing and what you're trying to do uh, it enables these people in, instead of um, raising their expecta the expectations for them. Um, and I know you know you you said that um, you started out with a with a similar perspective. Can can you talk about that for a second? Yeah, I, I'd like to. I um I did start out with a similar perspective. And when I started doing straight street outreach, I basically did it, as I told you, to help our friend, Eric. My husband and I were helping Eric in, my, in, in our minds. Through that, I actually started sitting down and talking to some of the people that we were serving. And from there, I realized that my perception of homelessness and addiction was completely wrong. I realized that I had no idea where these problems come from, what the problems even were and what these people suffer. And what, what even struck me more is the fact that the people I was dealing with, they have, they have no idea how to get out of this. Of course, we have some, like you said, you know, they, there are some that they got caught up in the party. They either have addictive personalities and some, there's a very few, but there are a few that like this lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Most of them do not. I have some that got addicted through medical reasons. I have one man that had cancer. 
and the painkillers they gave him, the particular cancer he had was a blood cancer, and it caused quite a bit of pain. And he was on opioids for a long wow. time. When his cancer went into remission, the doctor canceled the prescription. By this point, he was a he was fully addicted to them. Right. Before he knew it, he was on the street looking for relief, and he became an addict. He the cancer came back. He got he got sober. He he stopped doing drugs. He got clean. Went through a program. Cancer went back into remission, and he now he will not come into town. He's he, he's sober. He does not use. His cancer is in remission, and he lives just outside of downtown, but he will not come into town to the dinners. So this man, I either bring him a meal every Wednesday night after man is done, or Byron, the, the man that does the clothing, my friend Byron Kimball, he, he'll drop it off at his house. Right. He'll buy his house on the way home. But that's one story. And, and I have a few now who are addicted basically because for medical reasons. They got addicted because of back issues or whatever, and now they're full-blown addicts. Right. Then, then there's the people with the mental, men, they're mentally ill. I do have some that are mentally ill. The biggest problem I find is emotional. Emotionally ill, people with emotional issues, they suffer. And when that, you talk to them and you get a little bit of background, what their lives are like, you realize that if you were raised in a home with two parents, breakfast, you went to school every day, you had a reasonable expectation that you were not going to be abused, beaten, raped, verbally abused, um, neglected, if, then you cannot conceive of the life these people have led. Right. If you didn't grow up in the foster care system, from one foster home to another, including some abuse. I have one man that was basically every foster home he went to, he's from New York City, tended to be more of a work camp. There was no love. There was no nurture. Right. And so their, their addiction is basically an attempt to self-medicate. Right. They either were not properly treated. when They, they, either, have, they either have no mental health care. They've never had it. Or they, they were improperly diagnosed and improperly treated for this. And I don't know what the solution is to that, but once I realized what was going on, and I, it made me think back to my youth when I had an, an, an old dear friend of mine who got addicted to heroin way back before we knew what heroin was. Right. He also came from a very dysfunctional home. He was abused. He was in the YDC system, which I'm sure mostly everyone has heard about the allegations of what happened at those places. and. I can reasonably assume that he suffered some of that abuse as well. When we were 23 years old, he committed suicide. Wow. And I never understood why until I started working with the homeless. All of a sudden, it was like all the pieces were coming together, and I could see. I could see what happened to him. And I can see the same thing in the eyes of the people that I serve. Wow. And I'm determined to try and do something. Yeah. to help that, even if it's just increase their, their self-awareness, their self-esteem. Remind them that they are just as worthy of, of kindness as any of the rest of us. Yeah, yeah that's, um, like I said, I, 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 I could understand from a certain, certain degree, um, you know, the, the opposing point of view. I can certainly understand that, um, you know, the feeling that it, some people will not 
rise to expectations if expectations aren't at least um, suggested or somewhat demanded, but I can also um, see the reality of, of, of what's actually going on with a lot of the homeless as, as you explain this. Um, Cheryl, do you have any idea, um, and I, it's, it's not like you're a census take care of the homeless, but is there any idea of, of what we're talking about as far as, um, you know, a ballpark figure for how many people are, are in the area and actually homeless? Well, I know that I serve anywhere from 40 to 75 people on a Wednesday night. Um, I think 75 was the highest I counted. Right. And, um, but there's others that I that I, I see them walking around. I know they're homeless, but I they have I have not talked to them. I don't know them. You know, they're not. I don't know them personally. Right. And the, the frightening thing is, there's new ones coming all the time. Every mm. week, I see someone I hadn't seen before. Now, uh, do you are you aware of are you aware? I, and I didn't mean to interrupt, but I, I, I are you aware of? of um, any other of the local communities, you know, not to disparage them at all, but just is there anybody else doing anything similar to, to, to what you're trying to do on, on Wednesday nights uh, here in Rochester? There is. Actually, there's one right in Rochester. There's a group from a Newington church. I mean, I'm sorry, a Newmarket church. It's run by Scott Dempsey and his wife, Violet. They are there every Monday night. They're down on the little, I don't know the name of the road. It's the road between Blue Seal and back, back of the Knights of Columbus building by Whitway. Okay. Um, they're down there every Monday night, and they serve food. There's also um, Bread of Life Thursday happens in Dover. And that's, I believe, the first Thursday of every month. That's run by Lane Case. She goes to St. John's United Methodist Church of Dover. And she, she does it a little bit differently than Manna. She raises money and buys food from a local restaurant at at a reduced rate to feed to her people. Okay. And she was actually, she actually lives in Barrington, and she started Bread of Life Thursday because she was so inspired by what Mana was doing. That's excellent. And um, then there's a, um, yeah, um, Scott Dempsey's group is called Fast Track. Then there's a group called Homeless Outreach Partners. It's run by Jennifer and Warren Dietrich. And they basically, they came to Mana one night and set up a table, and they had clothing and toiletries and things to hand out. So they're out there trying to do their part. Right. Then, of course, there's Boxes of Love for the Homeless. That's one of the largest efforts, I think, in the state, the one by Stacey Bergeron. She's been in Rochester a few times where she comes in, and she just does this blitz event where she sets up. There's pantry food. There's restaurant food. There's free haircuts. There's three bicycles. It's amazing what she does. The last wow. one she did was at Newington and she gave out full camping sites including a propane heater with five bottles of propane for each person. Wow. You know, to help them get through the winter. And, and So there's a lot of groups like that. There's also um, the restaurants in Rochester. Some of them are amazing. Christina Enos from Fallen Leaf Bistro has teamed up with Gather. They're a benevolent group that goes from town to town distributing food, fresh foods, vegetables, dairy, and along with pantry items. And this gentleman that works with them named Seneca, he is providing the food for Christina, and she's going to do a man a meal once a month. Wow. And she's doing that. Actually, she, the first one, the first collaboration of this is happening this tomorrow, this week's man a meal. Okay. And she's providing ham and potatoes and vegetables and Christina's cooking it up. 
and those meals, because of because the food is donated, those meals are selling for three dollars a piece, which is really great. I expect to get quite a bit, and any extra that we get, we take down to the Willand Warming Center after man is over, because there's plenty of people down there to feed. Yeah, I would imagine that was. Um, so there is a there is a lot, and there's a there's, there's people that are out there trying to help. Right. Um, my goal is to, I'd like to pull us all together. I was thinking of calling it the Council of Love, and have just forming like a council of of do-gooders. You know, get us all together so we all know what each other's doing, and we can trade ideas and help each other. And I've learned this from from Tracy. Tracy Hardikoff of the Stratford County Homeless Shelter. That woman is amazing. She yeah. has helped us at Nana to an unbelievable degree. She gets because she gets things in for her shelter. When she has anything extra, she donates it to Nana. She's donated so many things to us. It's amazing. And she runs the most successful shelter. She played. I think she's placed more than sixty people in two years into apartments. She she brings families in. She helps them, she gives them what they need, gives them the training they need, stands them up in there and sets them on their own. And she does all this in a, with a minimal budget. She's an expert at fundraising and leveraging funds. And, and she just built a new shelter. And it, she just blows my mind. If we all, if every government agency operated the way she operates, we would have a lot more funds to do a lot more work. That's um, that's uh, extremely encouraging. That's so good to hear because that was one of my next next questions as as far as um, local services and, and I mean you you're doing what you do on on Wednesdays and and um, thankfully with with the information that you just shared it, at least uh, we can see that there there is some effort on uh, some of the other days of the seven days a week that uh, that we're actually trying to do some uh, good within the community so. Um, and it's also Red's Good Vibes. Have you heard of them? I'm sorry, who? Red's Good Vibes. It's a food truck that goes around. It's run by a family. Um, their story goes that they lost their older brother. They, they nicknamed him Red. Mm-hmm. And it was always a dream to do something like this, to go around helping people and feeding people. And after he passed in his name, the, the three siblings got together, and they each put in some money, and they started providing food around their hometown and feeding people and one thing led to another they now have a, a big red food truck and it's called red's good vibes and they show up they, they they're at the dover train station quite often they're in hampton beach they're all over this area and they do the third wednesday of every month at mana they're at mana they're amazing they come down in their tie-dye and these huge smiles and they're just <laughs> full of positivity they cook up the most delicious food, and it's all free. They hand it out to anyone who comes to them for a meal. Wow. No, like I said, it, that's... beautiful. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That's amazing things. And, and um, like you said, I, I, um, I think a lot of us... Um, it's it's easy to get a little little bit jaded and and um, take things for granted, especially if um, you grow grew up in in um, somewhat of a, a normal home, you know. Nowadays, you know what is normal. I you know I didn't I didn't realize that uh, you know I, I was part of that community that you know was um, um, that that my uh, my home life wasn't ex- wasn't exactly. Uh, you know, perfect, but I, I never, I never realized that. But it was nowhere near um, what it is that these folks are, are going into, you know, or dealing with. So I, I can see how um, misconceptions can start, and um, 
you know, and, and the wrong idea um, can, you know, can gain ground in, in a community sometimes. And it's, and it's a lot of it, it seems like to me, um, is because it's easy for people to kind of label um, the homeless and those individuals that are, that are struggling as, you know, an, an eyesore in a, in a community, you know, um, label, labeling them all as troublemakers. And, and I'm sure to a certain degree there, there are some out there that, um, you know, are just trying to survive. So, you know, if, oh, if yeah. If they uh, if they grab something out of out of somebody's yard or whatever, I mean, you know, like I said, not everybody's um, uh, they're trying to survive. So, and I'm not trying to make an excuse for them, but just you know, the reason behind some of these things. But um, I think, uh, like you suggested, if if the community um, would take a fresh look at this and um, try to come up with with ways to try to you know help and and service these people and you know give them give them the hope that that allows them to think that you know perhaps if if what it is that they want to do is is get out of the situation they're they're in if um if we could find a way to provide a, a path or, or uh, give them some hope that they can they can see a way out you know uh, maybe a lot more of these individuals could transition out of this and um, get back to feeling uh, like viable members of society and, and, and there have been some, some successes the most profound one we've had happened at straight street outreach there was a kid he was probably about 23 years old and he started showing up at the at the straight street outreach meals and he's this big handsome robust kid and he was he was already addicted then and over the couple of years you just saw the deterioration in him he was indian scrawny and he developed what's known as drug-induced schizophrenia he could be frightening he, he got very violent um we were all waiting to hear Kyle either ended up in state prison or he was dead, he OD'd or got killed. Or, I mean, there was, it was he was one of those kids that you, you never give up hope, but it was really hard to hope for him. And we just kept loving on him. You know, I mean, he needed boots. We found him. My husband and I found him a pair of brand new boots someone donated. We tracked him down on a snowy night and gave them to him. Um, he came to Christmas. We, I do a giant Christmas program for the homeless. I give them all these great big gift bags full of brand new items that make life outside a little bit easier. Yeah. And we would we would hand those out at Straight Street Outreach while we were serving a full turkey dinner. And generally, the the day be, we did it the last Friday before Christmas. And I don't know, for some reason it seemed to always be snowing that nice. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, kind of added to the festivity a little bit. But, sure. And he showed up that night, and he was in the schizophrenic episode. He was very ugly. He was swearing at me. One, and I said, he didn't want a gift. And I said, well, I said, I have it here for you. And he says, I said, it has your name on it, so it can't go to anyone else. So when you're ready, let me know. And he said, what's my name doing on it? I don't want my name on that. And I said, well, I stayed calm. I said, you know, I love you. I said, it has things in here I know will fit you. I know you need. I know the colors you like. And I put this together especially for you out of all the items that were donated. And I put a couple in there from John and I, too. He had back to me. And he, and he said, well, what did you do that for? And I said, because we love you, Tyler. And he turned around and looked at me, and there were big tears coming down his face. He snapped right out of that episode. It was the most unbelievable thing. Everyone there was just silent. Right. And 
he looked at me and he said real softly, I haven't had a gift with my name on it since I was 12 years old. Right. And it was, it was incredible. A couple of months later, he went into rehab. He went and called his grandfather, who in, lived in the area, and he hadn't seen his grandpa since he was a young kid. Mm. And grandpa took him right in. Grandpa was a 44-year-old, 44-year AA veteran. And wow. got him into NA. And he contacted my husband and I, had us go down and attend a couple of chip ceremonies. Needless to say, it's been three years now, maybe going on four years. He's still clean. He moved down south with his mom. He's working. He's met a nice girl. He came up last summer and took my husband and I out to breakfast to introduce us to her. She's now his fiance, and they're expecting a baby. Wow. See, so there is light at the other end of the tunnel. The Lord does have a plan for all of us. Yeah. Well, that's why I say, you know, there's 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 a lot of um, reasons nowadays to be cynical and hard about things. But what I what I try to share with people when they're when I feel like they're open to um, to hear it is that, you know, you, you can never you should never label anybody. You can never give up on what their journey is. You don't you don't know how long it's going to take for them to turn around. And and the only person that can um, that can determine that is themselves and their relationship with the Lord. But, um, yeah. you know, all we can do um, as Christians and um, and those that are supposed to be serving our fellow man is to try and facilitate that um, as much as that as, as we possibly can. So that's, um, Absolutely. that's a wonderful Absolutely. story. That's really a, a great, great story. One thing I try to do at Manitou is remind them I remind all the people that come to eat of how much they're loved. I point out to them, you know, these these dinners are provided to you by restaurants. Rochester, by the way, has the most amazing restaurant community. I, I've, I've worked in restaurants and bars, put myself through college for 10 years in mm-hmm. Portsmouth, and up here. I've never seen anything like the restaurant community we have now. They are all supportive of each other. They all support MANA. I've, I've only had a couple of them turn me down. It's only because they were too busy and they couldn't do it at the time. Sure. But pretty much when I call them and say, do you want to do a man meal? It's yes. Yeah. I have one in town that won't even charge for it. Wow. <laughs> they, do, they do all 70 dinners for free. Wow. And in the beginning, it, was, it worked out for them because during the pandemic when things were slow, doing a man meal got them some advertising. It got them some good good vibe kind of advertising, you know, and it brought in a little bit of money, not what they would normally make, but it helped them, you know, when, when sales it were down so low because they were either at half capacity or not having any sit-down meals at all. This added to them, and it also kept their name in people's minds. When you're ordering your Friday night takeout and you've seen their name on the Mana advertisement, that name suddenly is still in your head, so you may order from them. Yeah. Well, and then those are the things. Those are the things that I, you know, talking about as far as shoring up your, <clears throat> excuse me, your local community, in in any possible way you can. And um, we we all need to um, just be more aware of those of those things that that we can do. And the the more we become, you know, more close knit with um, 
all those in our in our community and the businesses downtown and the people that own them and um, and the good things that uh, each of them is, is attempting to do outside of just you know conducting business every day all of that just like I said builds a much stronger um, more vibrant community and and that's that's uh, that's what's something I've been hoping and, and praying for 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 Rochester for for several years now I mean it's it's part of the reason I started doing this and and what I'm trying to do so it's all so important and yeah. I always like I said I always remind the people that dine with us that you know these restaurants are doing these meals at a greatly reduced cost and they continue to do it now that business is pretty much back to normal they're still doing it right. the people that call and order these meals they're doing this out of the goodness of their heart they're basically anonymous I don't know who they are right. they call the restaurant and they order and they pay for it with a credit card and I pick the meals up on Wednesday night. I don't know who's bought what unless they tell me. Right. They don't know the homeless. <clears throat> the homeless don't know them. And I always point out to them, I said, this is the love of God that you're seeing. Yeah. The love of God in, in, in a person's heart to call up and order a meal for you, basically anonymously. That person is not getting any thanks for this from you. He doesn't get to know who you are. He just does this out of the goodness of his heart because he cares about you. I said, you, you guys are seen you're, and you're cared about. You're part of this community. And I always try and do that and let them know that they are included and they're counted among us, among everybody else. They're not really aside from us. They're part of the community. Yeah. And like I said, no, go ahead. Sorry. So I'm just, you know, we take care of each other. Yes. You know, the Lord, Jesus told us in the Bible love one another he didn't put any conditions on that he said he never said love only people with jobs love only straight people love only people who work love only people you know who are perfect he never said anything like that he just said love one another right and that's what i see happening and i see it through manna and it's such a privilege for me to be able to witness this yeah. you know people will thank me for doing manna it's like really i don't do that much <laughs> i make sure i have a restaurant for the week I right. put up a notice. The rest is all done for me. Other than that, I pick up the meals and show up and hand them out. Yeah. So just just quickly, yeah, I think you know a lot of people that are listening, uh, you know, are probably aware of this. But um, take just a second and explain once once again where on you know where on Facebook and and how people can actually um, help you with this with this effort of yours. Okay, well, there's several pages. One of them is a page called, you know you're from Rochester, New Hampshire, if you dot, dot, dot. Right. And I advertise on there. Um, you'll see my advertisement every week. I always put a, a picture of a giant wooden cross with a beautiful blue sky background and at, at the end of my narrative. And then there's a narrative that includes the name of the restaurant, the, the price of the meal, between 5 and $7, the phone number, and what the dinner is going to be. And people can, from that, just, and also, there's also a little bit of news in there about what's going on with Mana this week, about, you know, Byron's clothing, trust, does he need donations, what's happening there, Christina, you know, what does she need for her pantry, and um, different requests we have, like this time of year, I'm always asking for hand warmers, you know, and foot warmers and body warmers, because those things, you just can't ever have enough of those. Right. And... So they can read that, and if they like, they can call up and order a man a meal. Yeah. And, it, it, and like I said, it, it's a beautiful thing to do, and it, it, I think it helps people that get the food. It helps them feel some self-esteem. You know, like I said, someone cares, someone notices. 
You're not invisible. Definitely. And it's getting to the point where those who have disdain for the homeless and don't understand um, the plight, I'm finding that community seems to be shrinking quite a bit. Right. In the beginning, I got a lot more negative comments than I do now. People are starting to understand. Well, I think it's I, I think it's a, just a testament to you know to to what you're doing and the effort you're putting forward. You're you're definitely being led to do so. So um, I just want to encourage you know people that are listening to this podcast that um, that you would go to um, Cheryl's Facebook page, uh, Mana for the Hungry, and um, uh, read up on all the information that she has there. Like I said, she posts ahead of time, ahead of Wednesday, what um, what the meal is for the week, uh, what uh, restaurant to call into in order to to place your order to help kind of feed uh, to help feed the homeless, and just understand. You know, think of this every every Wednesday night. If you can picture the back of the Rochester Methodist Church and. Um, all those individuals uh, showing up there to hand out clothing and, and food and, um, you know, uh, what kind of uh, a true encouragement um, that that particular time every week uh, is for uh, the people in, in our community that are basically, that are, that are struggling. And um, it's important that we, that we reach out and, and try and assist them in any way we can. So. And it's also important to know I do have some that work. Some of these people, are they just fell on hard times. And in an economy like this, when you fall on hard times, getting up is not easy. No. You get evicted from your apartment because you can't pay rent um, for whatever reason. You know, you might have had a bad accident or something happened. And and they, once they lose their apartment, it's so and you have an eviction on your record. It's right. so hard to get into another one. And, and they are some of them actually do have jobs. And I just cannot even imagine sleeping in my car or a tent and trying to do that and hold down a job. That's incredible. And I have to give them kudos for that. Yeah. Well, that's amazing stuff. So, Cheryl, um, I... um when we're finished here, you know, uh, uh, later on, um, if, if you would maybe send me um, some of the information, some of the links of some of those um, other groups and individuals that are um, that are um, actually servicing the community, I'd like to post those on the Restoring Main Street page. And um, okay. and uh, basically, I'd, I... Um, I'd kind of just I, I just would really like to thank you for for what you're what you're doing right now and and um, the effort that you're putting putting forward and um, you know what it kind of says about um, about Rochester and what it is that we're trying to do here and like I said all of it's just so very important so um, I want to thank you for you know taking some time tonight and um, just sharing this message and this information um, with all of uh, my podcast followers so thank you so very much. Thank you for having Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's, it's nice to be able to talk about this openly, you know, and it's, it, it's nice to be able to talk about it openly to a community that I see as amazing. It's just, it's full of amazing people. The love in the community of Rochester is huge and it's growing and it's getting better. And I really think it's, that's going to be the answer. If there is an answer to this problem, that's it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's community and like I said, shoring up that community. That's why I'm my theme for this. I have a couple of themes for this year. Is um, one of them in in a broader broader sense is um, 
stop settling. Stop settling for you know the least worst thing in your life or your community or what's going on around you. Stop settling. And um, the other the other is um, let's concentrate on uh, building up and supporting our local communities and making them as as strong as we possibly can. So, Cheryl, once again, we help others. Yep, we help ourselves. Yes, we do. So. Thank you once again, and um, I'm going to let you go, and and uh, I'll going to wrap up the rest of this uh, this podcast. But like I said, thank you, thank you so much for for sharing your message with uh, with all of my listeners out there. So anytime, you have a wonderful night. You too. God bless. God bless you. Okay. Take care. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. And like I said, that was um, that was Cheryl Huckins, and. Um, um, her mana meals and, and what it is that um, that they that they do, what she does, at that group of individuals, um, it's it's an amazing thing here in, in Rochester, and um, it's just grown and grown, and um, you, you see um, uh, just the uh, the change in the community and the individuals that um, that support this, and and like she said, the restaurants and and. Um, the individuals that help on, on that end of it, you know, producing the food. Um, it's an amazing thing to see. So please go to um, Manor for the Hungry. Look that up on Facebook. And like I said, you can read on that page all of um, Cheryl's efforts, the, the group's efforts and what it is that they're doing. Uh, find out what the meal is for the week. And then um, I encourage you to support them. Um, we need to do all we can, like I said, to shore up our communities and Part of that is helping the uh, the least fortunate among us. So, okay, let's get through some uh, business that uh, I, I like to share each week. And I want to remind you one of the one of the big uh, supporters and followers of Restoring Main Street that um, um, shares the links to my podcast is uh, my good friend uh, Gene Valley, which. Um, uh, I'm still asking uh, all of you out there that listen to the podcast. I'm, I'm asking for for prayers for Gene, um, because as far as I know, um, he still is uh, battling and trying to shake uh, COVID. So um, he's done so much for for this program, for restoring Main Street, and trying to uh, help uh, widen the outreach of what we try to talk about here. And uh, I th- figured the least least we can do is those of you that are uh, inclined to pray, um, please pray for his recovery. And uh, I would greatly appreciate that. Also, uh, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a restoring Main Street podcast uh, over this last uh, couple of months without me talking about my good friends at MetalHeadsRock.com. Like I said, if you're into heavy metal and you want to don the apparel and um, uh, remember your heyday or just, uh, you know, just just enjoy wearing a, a T-shirt of, of a band that, uh, you know, really, um, you know, brought you through your, uh, your teen years and, and you still follow and just love their music. Anything from T-shirts to mugs to jewelry to, uh, like I said, wall hangings, I noticed, um, and she's going to throw stones at me, uh, my friend at, uh, at Metalheads. Uh, I forget the name. Is it... Ernie or something like that. There's some kind of, um, I forget what heavy metal uh, band it is that has one demonic looking um, uh, individual that is kind of their mascot slash um, 
uh, logo that they use for the band. And like I said, all of you are going to scream at me later and, and uh, whatever. But uh, they did a metal wall hanging like uh, the ones you see behind me of my uh, uh, my company's logo. But they they did a huge uh, wall hanging of this particular uh, rock band's um, mascot. And uh, it's amazing. So please go and check out metalheadsrock.com. If you live in the area, please go to the Rochester Mall and go check out their store. They have got um, quite a selection. Uh, I noticed recently they just added some... Um I want to say they're Red Sox drumsticks, and then I see a Boston Bruins electric guitar is something else that uh, that they're offering there at the store. So please, go check them out. And uh, like I said, if you don't live in the area, metalheadsrock.com. Check out the website, if, if nothing less, and uh, uh, I would greatly appreciate uh, the the uh, support for them. Tell them that Gary from Restoring Main Street sent you, and, um, and you know, just... Uh, Go check them out. You'll, you'll enjoy your time there. So, uh, as always, I like to remind you that uh, you can find this podcast on YouTube, Rumble, uh, Gab TV, and BitChute. And honestly, um, I'm 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 plugging right now for more people to migrate over to uh, Rumble. Um, if you're going to watch a video podcast and watch my video podcast, because honestly, uh, that is a place where uh, free speech still lives. There is no suppression. You can talk about anything that you want to discuss and nothing is is off subject. Nothing is taboo. Um, That's where freedom exists. And, you know, I would I would really um, love to see people migrate from the YouTubes and the Facebooks and some of those other places and actually go to Rumble uh, and search Restoring Main Street and check out my podcast there. You know, become a subscriber there. Um, Share, like, um, follow, uh, write a five-star review. You can listen to this podcast if you don't uh, care to uh, look at my mug, and I can certainly understand why. You can just listen to the audio of this podcast on Anchor FM, Breaker, uh, Google Podcasts, podcasts uh, pocket casts excuse me radio public and obviously the big one spotify uh and i'd like to remind you also that uh, as you see the beginning of this podcast each week i run my quick 50 second ad for my uh my poetry book uh the north country chronicles poetry and prose from the granite state uh if you'd like to support me that way i would uh, greatly appreciate that that's just um um, my way of at some point, uh, if I get good enough at this and, and can grow the following, uh, uh, tickle the algorithms and get more people to uh, uh, get involved, um, I can spend more time. I would, I would love to be able to get deeper dives into a lot of these subjects and start to do this on a, a five day a week basis. But that's going to be a slow transition, and I have to produce the content that makes you want to come back. And then once that happens, uh, it all morphs into something much bigger. But I uh, appreciate all of your support, all of you uh, that you share, the comments, the likes, all of those things. I want to say um, in talking about Facebook, uh, on my Facebook page, I have certainly seen a, a, a nice uptick in involvement and activity there. So a lot of what I'm posting 
even though Facebook can um, censor and, and throttle some of your content, uh, I'm seeing a lot more response there than I have in uh, months past. So again, thank all of you. That's that's all of you. That's that's not me. My job is to produce the best content I can, and um, your job or your task that I give you is to. Um, you know, show show me the the, the support out there um, and comment, please. You know, reach out and comment. Uh, you don't have to agree with everything that I say. You can certainly uh, voice your opinion. That's part of what the Restoring Main Street is all about. We should be able to still have difficult discussions about difficult topics, and um, nothing should be censored. Um, we need to get back to what America was as far as that goes. The sharing of information, that asking questions, seeking truth, that should never be taboo. That would, should never be throttled or shut down. So uh, in closing, like I always uh, try and leave you um, with the idea of God, freedom, and family. Uh, because if we lose the first two, our families are certainly doomed. So thank you once again for tuning in this week. And um, until next time, God bless.